If you've been wishing, hoping, and dreaming about taking your business from six figures to multi-six figures or multi-six figures to seven figures, then I wanna make sure you get our new free guide, the multi-six and seven-figure scaling roadmap. Inside the guide, I pulled back the curtains and I shared all the strategies that I used and they can help you too. First, they can help you triple your monthly sales. I shared proven strategies with you that led to a 3X increase in my monthly sales. Second, I show you exactly how to crush your limiting beliefs. Say goodbye to doubts like, you can't charge that much and there aren't enough ideal clients for you too. Third, how to only work with ideal clients. I show you how to become the go-to expert and attract only the perfect clients and referrals. And finally, I show you how to quantum leap to $20,000 plus every single month. I show you exactly how to take a quantum leap from 8,000 per month, for example, to 20,000 a month. You can absolutely break through your upper limit barrier and enjoy five and six figure months every single month. Make 2024 your dream come true year by downloading your free guide today. Just click the link in the show notes below. Welcome to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we keep you motivated, inspired, and thinking big. Up-leveling into quantum revenue is a choice that we can all make in any moment and then continue to make that choice to stay in that space each day. On this podcast, Ursula will share revenue growth strategies to reach your next level and introduce you to CEOs just like you who are making it happen. What's your next quantum leap going to be? See it, own it, and take that first step. If this is you, then Ursula wants to invite you to join us at the next 2X Intensive now. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. You're listening to Quantum Revenue Expansion with your host, Ursula Menchez. Let's go. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Quantum Revenue Expansion, where we turn your annual income into your monthly income. Super excited that you're here today because I have the amazing Melanie White, who I love, and she's beloved by our community, and I know you're going to love her too. And today we're talking about creating eight-figure growth as a fourth-generation CEO, which Melanie is. And Melanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm thrilled to have you with us. And I know this is going to be a conversation that is going to help so many business owners in terms of thinking about what it really takes to expand to that next level, how to show up as a CEO at that next level, and all the things that go with it. Before we introduce you, though, really quickly, for our listeners all over the world, first of all, thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. I love getting your emails. I love getting your messages. We appreciate you so much. If you haven't yet, go to UrsulaInc.co. We have our free gift for you. It's our Quantum Revenue Expansion Masterclass. And during the course, we do a couple of things. First, we look at your Quantum Revenue Container. Is it big enough? I just had a client yesterday uh, close her first $10,000 package as a healer. And for those of you who are healers out there, I know that sometimes you know asking for more money can be a big deal. She closed her first $10,000 package. And what I want everyone to think about is that wouldn't have happened if she hadn't expanded what she was asking to bring in as well as her pricing and her packages. So just a little nudge out there to be thinking about that. So we talk about how to do that in the masterclass, talk about how to really up-level your prices, your packaging, and your marketing. And we also, at the end, talk about how to collapse time and reach your quantum goal even faster, which actually Melanie is doing right now. So I'm excited about what she's going to share on what that can look like. 
also a couple other things. My team wants to make sure I always get all, all the pieces in. If you're feeling the pull to work with us, you've been hanging around in our circles for a while and you're wondering what the 2X Intensive is all about, you can go to ursulainc.co forward slash apply. Send us a little bit of information about your company and my team will send you information and set up a time to chat with either me or someone on my team to talk about how we could help your business grow as well. And finally, if you haven't yet, um, please leave us a review and it just, it helps other people see if the show is a fit for them. Plus, when you do, we have a gift for you. Come back and leave your review also at ursulainc.co forward slash giveaway. And we have a copy, a digital copy of One Great Goal for you, along with the uh, audio process to follow along with. So we hope that there's a little gift to say thank you for leaving us reviews. And for those who have left reviews recently, we appreciate you. I'm super grateful because it allows people now from, I think, over 100 countries around the world and growing to find this podcast. And with that, I'm excited to tell you about Melanie. Melanie White is CEO and fourth generation, which I find pretty amazing, of Hellwig Products. The automotive, automotive excuse me, suspension manufacturing company was started by her great grandfather and grandfather in 1946. So cool. Melanie joined the team 15 years ago. And listen to this. As she has risen in the company to CEO, she has been able to influence more growth. To the tune of this, the company will triple in revenue this year from 12 years ago. So congratulations, Melanie. And you, as the leader of a multi-million dollar company, are one of the few female CEOs out there doing this job. So props to you. And I'm excited to really have this conversation from the perspective of what it's like to be a female CEO in the world today, who right now in the middle of well, this continued pandemic has continued to see you know, this, this eight-figure growth, tripling your income over time for the company. So tell us, let's just start with your story. Like, you know, you must've been, like when you were a kid, you were watching the company, watching Hellwood Products, learning about it. Did you know you were gonna be CEO from a young age or what was this journey? No, I didn't. So it's interesting. I, I never thought I would be even involved in the company. So I, well, that's not true. At one point I had this like dream, I was going to run the company and I had no idea what that meant. Right. Like, I think it was when I was like 10 or 12 and then I went on a more traditional path. So, uh, headed down like a teaching path and then, uh, really fell in love with psychology. And so, uh, started down that path. I was looking to do, um, postgraduate work, like marriage and family therapy or something like that. And then at the time I was working for a bakery and I really wanted to try outside sales because they'd have outside sales uh, reps come in. And I thought that's a cool gig. I love helping people. I want to do that. And Hellwig needed an outside salesperson at that time. And it was cold calling, right? So I don't know if you've never done cold calling, it's a perfect way to like cut your teeth, but it is it's grueling and you have to be okay with getting told no. And I learned quickly, I had to know more than most of the people that I was uh, coming into, right? So like I, it's automotive suspension. So I really had to like figure out um, like how to talk about it to a different audience, right? And have, how would I talk about it to people that knew it and didn't know how big. So it was, it was a great way to, uh, to start in the company, but it also, uh, yeah, was 
was grueling. I mean, there would be times I would do a lot of sales calls about an hour away and I would like cry the whole hour home, like, because people are just one in particular, like at the time I had red hair and he like, just thought it was really fun to like make fun of my hair. And I was like, personal. So yeah. So I just learned to like, also like let things roll off my back a little bit um, more. So yeah. But I also fell in love with my customers and that was really where I saw the opportunity within the company uh, and to, to be able to, to grow it too. Yeah. So, so interesting. I'm laughing and said some things I didn't even know, like we've known each other, I don't know, for about a year now, less than a year, maybe. Yeah. I didn't know we both worked in a bakery. I was, I, that is, that's hilarious. And then I didn't know you were interested in marriage and families. That's what my master's is in. And then you were in outside sales as well. I feel like we were living a parallel life. Yeah, um, seriously. <laughs> bakeries, by the way, not good for my health. Like I was not one of those people who could not, not eat the donuts at the end of the day. I was like, Oh yeah, I'll take them home. Not yeah. good for me. But anyway, they were really tasty. So I'm yeah. laughing inside about not laughing, but feeling your pain and a little bit laughing, but the whole cold calling thing, it is grueling. It is brutal. And unless you've made, you know, a hundred cold calls in a day or whatever the number is and been out pounding the pavement, like you just you haven't really been in the world of selling. And so, you know, we have people who listen, who are still out in the field, you know, making cold calls, and I'm sure you're still doing some selling, but I just, I got to ask like any, when you look back on your sales career and what, you know, like, and I heard you say, you love your, your customers. What's your best advice about selling? Like, what did you learn through all the blood, sweat and tears? Yeah. I think really what I learned was be knowledgeable right? Like go in and be knowledgeable, but also be curious. Like I would go in, in the beginning, I'd go in and be like, you need my product, blah, blah, blah. And then what I learned was, Hey, what do you do here? You know, we're all undercover under car parts. So like, yeah. do you ex- do exhaust? Do you put on a, you know, a rear differential on the axle? If you're doing any of that stuff, that's in my like area. It's also maybe someone that toes does something like that. So then they need my product. But like, if they, if I wasn't a fit, if it was like, oh, we only do this, I'd be like, okay, great. Thank you. Like, if you ever get into anything else, here's, you know, my information, but I wouldn't waste time. So I got really curious about what they did and what they might need. And then I would also break down what does selling my product mean for you financially, right? Like you usually make this much margin if you're selling, adding it on uh, to another product you're already selling. And that was the thing that I learned is that it was easier to do like the, do you want fries with this uh, kind of (laughs) fit, right? Like, so I would like coach and teach and we still do this to this day. Like we coach people on how to sell our products but adding on to stuff that is already really well-known because the sway bars and like what we sell is typically not like the first thing that comes to mind. So if you're doing other products in that area, it's easier to like upsell if that makes sense. So we really like broke that down and it's kind of fun because we still use it. (laughs) That's amazing. And so starting with like, so what you know is the most needed than upselling from there. Mm-hmm. and adding products as, as you go along, but using other brands also that are way better known than we are because oh, we're it. a smaller company. And so I think that was another thing that really helped was we would focus on. 
someone who spends a lot more money in marketing and things like that, right? And like kind of latch on uh, to them and say, hey, if you're, uh, you know, doing this like Firestone airbag, like Firestone's a really well-known brand, right? Like you also want our sway bar with that. So, um, so that's what we focused on. Got it. So connecting brands for brand recognition and then your brand comes with it. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I know a company that does that really well called Starbucks, right? I feel like they, like if we can tie Starbucks to anything, I'm tying it to the, this, this, um, podcast right now. So I'm curious. So you, so you, you obviously excelled in sales, outside sales for the company and you started to grow. So at what point did you start to transition into management? Because here's, here's one thing that I see happen a lot in companies. I'm sure you see this as well with all your, in all your circles is a lot of top salespeople will get pushed into management. A lot of times they don't want to go. It's like not their first choice. They make more money in sales. They have more flexibility. They like the customers and management might not be their thing where I think both of both you and I experienced that management actually also was a good fit. So it's, it's, um, you know, it's an interesting combination to be able to sell and then also be able to manage and lead. So at what point did you start, like, did someone pull you into leadership or management? Like how did that journey unfold? No, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, you know, fourth generation, I'm, I'm now CEO, but I never saw that I would be in this position. I had, uh, the boss that I had at the time, uh, she thought that I should be the, like the secretary. Um, oh, sure, of course. Yeah. Cause you're so, uh, she was like, I think that's a really good fit for you. And, <laughs> um, so it, it was interesting. So I had all of these like, uh, dynamics that kind of wanted to keep me small right like and so I was fighting against that experience and uh but I knew there was something more right I just like had this like internal knowing in my being that like there was an opportunity for more within the company and so what I really saw and I didn't realize I did this until I want to say like last year I kind of like I had an interview and I had put pen to paper and I was like, how did I get to here? And what happened is I always saw a vacancy, like a need within our company and I'd feel that need. And then I'd ask for the title. (laughs) So I saw us uh, in sales, we already had a sales manager. And so I knew going into like a sales management role wasn't going to be, it wasn't the best fit and it wasn't what hell was needed at the time. Right. So I went into marketing and I knew that we needed to like have a big, bigger message. And so I saw that gap, I filled it, filled it, and then, uh, became the marketing manager. And, uh, but I would like fill that role and then say, Hey, I'm doing all of these duties. I now need this, uh, title to go with it. So I had like, marketing and sales director. Uh, then I moved into VP and then, uh, I was VP for a really long time. And then finally I was like, I'm doing all of the president roles. I need this title to go with it. So, um, yeah, that's how my trajectory worked. Um, yeah. So I want to pack that for a second. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Melanie, no one handed you the CEO title on a silver platter. It wasn't like this was the truth, like this, you were born and like, here's your, the plan for Melanie. It was like, you liked being in the company or loved being in the company. You liked the customers, you liked the product and you saw a need, you filled it. And then you did something really important. I want to make sure our listeners share it. Cause I know some of our listeners are 
maybe inside of family owned businesses, maybe inside of other corporations, or maybe just creating their own career track in their own company and for others. But you asked, you asked for what you wanted. I did. Yeah. You asked for the title. And I think for a lot of women, that doesn't happen. Some guys as well, but especially women, they don't ask for what they know they deserve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it probably took me longer, right. To ask for that. I I was filling the position for much longer than I got, you know, and then would feel confident enough to ask for the title. But yeah, there was, I did ask (laughs) for sure. And I think that's a, that's a really important piece. And so you saw, and then at some point you saw the CEO role and you're like, well, that president CEO that needs to be filled that's next. And you identified yourself, you asked, and now you're in that position. And I have a feeling that, um, your family is really glad you're in this role. Yeah. Most I of <laughs> like, like I'm sure there's lots of family dynamics, but I'm sure family dynamics. the company is so lucky that you are in this role and fortunate that you saw the trajectory, you saw the opportunity because a lot of family owned businesses, as we know, struggle or have other challenges. And, you know, we've known each other. And I know one of the conversations we've had is about how important becoming a woman owned business was for you. Can mm-hmm. you talk about that and why that was important and kind of what that also shifted for you in the company? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a definite benefit, especially in automotive suspension, to be woman-owned and woman-owned certified. So to be woman-owned certified, you'll get certain contracts and things like that. So I knew that would be a where we were heading as a company, right? But also, uh, I knew that would be a strategic move for us as well. So you know, it's, you don't just win all of the contracts because you're woman certified, right? You still have to be a legit business, do uh, quality work and all of the things, but uh, it does get you a seat at the table. And that's what in a lot of uh, areas, like just that alone, right? To be considered is huge because there's a lot of competition out there. So it, that drive to be a woman owned really like set up a lot of things for me. Like you have to be 51% owner. Uh, so majority owner, you, uh, it also, um, you know, you have to have your salary, um, be the, the, the most paid in the company because they want to know that you're real. So you, they come in and investigate, like, are you legit? Because it's such a benefit that a lot of people in this world uh, will not be legit. (laughs) And so they have some workarounds, like maybe it's a wife that does it, but she doesn't really run the company. She doesn't, she comes in like maybe once a month and signs some stuff where it's funny. I'm like, oh my gosh, I I definitely run the company. But to prove that there's just a lot of like hoops to, to jump through. But what that did is like really clearly set like, a certain timeline and also uh, like goals for me of like where I wanted to be. So uh, it did, it kind of forced a a path if that makes sense because we knew that was a strategic uh, opportunity for us but at the same time it forced our hand in making uh, the move with ownership and all the other things with that. Yeah, and I think that's a, just, you know, really important that I love what you said about how it also kind of forces other things to happen 
in the company that are also healthy for the company, but also healthy for you as the leader of the company. So really quickly, in case someone's listening, they're like, what is woman owned certified? Do you want to talk about that really quickly? And who, who I think you went with WeBank or who helped you through that process? Yeah. So I'm in the middle of my WeBank um, certification. I think I'm like 97% done, but of course, you know, there's been, just been so many like different documents and things I have to find. And we've been in business since 1946. So it, it has been interesting, oh, I but I have found, I've learned a lot. It's kind of forced me to, to learn a lot, but um, what that certification is. So WeBank is the one um, I'm working to get certified through. It will, it's, establishes you as a minor, minority owned business. And as a minority owned business, there's a lot of just opportunity for you to be considered um, in government jobs, military, uh, even in the um, original equipment world, like the uh, Freightlander custom chassis, uh, Ford, things, companies like that, like it matters to have this uh, certification. So they have goals internally that like we have the high speed rail that's coming through. And I know the number on that, um, is like, there's 11% of the, um, of the jobs, um, or the businesses they do work with have to be minority owned. So to do that though, you have to then, right? Like they have to consider a lot of minority owned companies because 11% of that, that uh, job is huge. Like we're in the billions right now for that high speed rail. So, and it's just like right down, it's that way. That's what I keep pointing gotcha. So in California. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll put the WeBank information in the notes in case people are wondering okay. like what that's all about. So we'll keep that, Perfect. we'll put that in the show notes. So all of this is happening, right? Like you're doing all these great things, getting the women owned certification completed, your, um, you know, the income is tripling really, I mean, over 12 years and really you're kind of on this two X path right now, which is significant. I mean, it's an eight figure increase. It's, it's significant. And you're doing this. Let's talk about this. Like, I think it's so important. You're doing this in the middle of COVID still in the middle of, I don't even know if we're in the middle of it. Maybe we're at the end of the pandemic. Let's, let's start saying that, right? Like maybe we can shift it. And one of the things we always talk about in our CEO groups is how, when you're taking a quantum leap in revenue, a lot of things can go upside down and you've had your share of setbacks, challenges. We're not going to get into all the things. It doesn't matter, but you've had your share of like more than your share. Let's say that this year. Mm -hmm. And here you are. And for those, you know, who are watching this on YouTube, and, or listening, they can tell from your voice as well. I mean, you're just, you always strike me as just a very Zen, um, grounded, calm, like you're just in this, you present in this space and you do that because you have to, right? You're the CEO. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you're willing to share, Melanie, like how have you been able to continue to grow at this pace and this projected pace while in the background, like it's the pandemic, all this other stuff, like there's all these things going on. Yeah. So I won't lie in the beginning uh, of the pandemic, you know, March 19th was you know, when California announced that they were going to um, go into the stay at home orders. And like that overnight, I had my sales went to like a trickle a super small trickle coming in. And then at the same time, uh, we had um, 
felt like two or three of our biggest uh, customers asked to cancel all the POs in the system. So it, it got scary. So, um, I, and I was in a swirl. I was not like, I wasn't handling it very well. I wasn't sleeping at night. I was like working 14 to, to 15 hours a day. Um, I'd like come out and eat dinner with my family because I was working at the home at home at the time. And I'd then go back into my office at night. So it was intense uh, during that time. And just the, all the new regulations and the laws and like, we didn't know what it meant. Like, were we a uh, essential business? And luckily we were. And so we had a lot to work through in the beginning, but I had a, and this is where I think like your network is really important. Um, and I belong to a group um, and uh, one of the members of the group called me and said, uh, I will always be grateful for her because she said, I see you're struggling. What is the biggest fear that you have right now? And it really like helped me see that I like leading from a place of fear was not serving me. Like she held up the mirror and it wasn't pretty and right, all of that. And so um, that really helped me like uh, bring me back to, to earth and then, okay, you know, you're right, like leading from that position is not helpful. So I have an opportunity to approach it differently. And I think at that point too, which is really interesting, right? So when I decided to, uh, to change my behavior and not be so dang fearful. And like, I know I was spreading that too, but like we had this huge influx of orders that came in. Like, I wanna say it was like the next uh, day or two. And we were like, it, it, the biggest sales day we've ever had in our company came in and we were like, we don't think that's true. Like we. And then the next day we had like an even bigger day. And like, so like in three days we had booked in sales, what we would normally book in a whole month. And, wow. uh, and we were like, are we ordering to this? You know, just all of the different things. Cause we had like cut back our um, inventory and purchasing and all the things. Cause we thought, uh, yeah, things were, we were going to have to like minimize instead of grow. And so we were like, well, oh, we don't know if that's real. So we, uh, but luckily it was real, right? So this huge bubble came in, which was great, but, and then uh, it continued. So uh, luckily people went into, you know, spending more time uh, towing trailers, working on their vehicles at home and things like that, which really was helpful for us. And uh, people started to, to buy our products and you can just see that demand. Uh, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. at the time. Like, I wish we knew it was real, right? And trusted that it was real, like that that was now gonna be the trajectory because we would have uh, ordered differently and things like that and not gotten um, behind. But, you know, that's, uh, we learned from it. <laughs> yeah. So how do you think shifting fear, shifting your fear, allow that to happen? Yeah, I, uh, you know, that's what I'm, is it the, sh the shifting of the fear that like allowed that to happen? And um, maybe, right? Like maybe that was the thing, but I think also by shifting it, I was able to see the 
see things more clearly, right? I was able to like wipe my slate clean and like, okay, this is, this is a gift and we'll take it. And, you know, well, sometimes my team is like, uh, because we have so much demand, they'll be like, oh, it's, it, we just don't know what to do. And like supply chain is ridiculous right now. And there's like a lot of complications, but I think that going back to March of um, 2020 and that what we all went through is like a, we're not there though. Like, let's deal with the demand. Let's deal with like the supply chain issues and things like that, because we are so lucky to have that demand. But I think being able to like shift from fear really did allow uh, uh, me to see things in a more positive light. And just like, it's amazing. Like there's just, there's magic that happens in a lot of ways. And I, I noticed that when I'm in this like stuck fear energy, I can't see it. Um, and I don't, well, I just don't recognize it for what it is. And, uh, and when I can, clear that I do see um that there's magic and also like people want to help me mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing that you know we feel like we're doing everything like on our own as CEOs and like the higher you get which no one talks about this um the higher you get within a company the lonelier it is and um, I had a friend uh, uh who runs a business and she's such a wise person um I just have so much respect for her but she called me the other day and she she just said like hey can I can you talk I'm like yeah absolutely and she had this problem that she uh she needed to talk about and she's like no one understands but I know you will and so we talked about it and at the end she was like oh my gosh I'm gonna sleep better tonight thank you so much for taking that time but I think that's the thing that happens is we like just get more isolated as we uh, rise in our our positions and having that network is also like really helpful um and and knowing that people do want to help you like when you call them I that made my day like being able to help her too where uh, I think sometimes we don't realize that it's also beneficial for someone else right like when she's talking about the issue that she's dealing with it's also beneficial for me to like oh what you know, have that mental exercise. Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't, I think the thing that I would want people to know is like, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Like, and if there's someone that's a friend, a mentor, something like that, they want to help. So, and just know that like in your core that people want to help. Yeah. Such a great reminder of that, you know, as CEOs, we cannot, we can feel very alone. It's very isolating. And of course, the bigger the company and you have a lot of employees, it can feel like they need you to be <laughs> the happy, focused, positive CEO, you know, who's also setting rules. I feel like it's so much like being a parent sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you know, just holding that space you know, for them. And, and so let's talk about that for a moment. Like, how do you, how do you take care of yourself? You talked a little bit about it, networks, mentors. How do you take care of yourself pers- like professionally and personally so that that even if you've had a rough week or a rough month or like like what do you do to keep going and you know stay in this this space? Yeah. So I think that it's really important, right? So I have had this goal 
it just, there has been so much happening lately that my biggest goal has been self-care for a month, right? Like just, I don't have any other goals. It's just how am I going to take care of myself? Because there's a lot of other things that are moving in the right direction. I don't need to like focus on that, but like me showing up and how I'm going to be is really important. Like weirdly, if I don't eat right, it really throws me off. Like there are, uh, there are foods that I can eat that just like, if I have them for lunch, like I crash after them, I can't focus and different things like that. So I've done a lot of like exploring in that area to make sure like, am I eating right to be in that, like, uh, that headspace to be able to be focused. And, um, I used to think it just like, Oh, I'm just tired, but it, it wasn't that I needed to, to, to eat and fuel my body and my brain. Um, and then, um, I think exercising is really important. I don't always love to do it. So figuring out tricks, um, I just started working out with a trainer because I just needed that accountability to show up. So uh, that has been really important and for me. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do work. Uh, I'm not afraid to work with therapists, right? Like either, because I think mindset is a huge thing and there's just things out. I say this often to my husband when I get mad at him about something, I'm like, I'm really mad at you about that, but I don't know that that all belongs to you, right? So I think oh, there's so a lot good. of things that we bring to our, like even at work, right? Like when someone says something, it's a trigger that like, you know, oh, I, maybe they think I don't know what, um, you know, do I belong here? Do I belong at the table? Like, I think especially as women, like those are things that swim in our heads. And so it's, doing that work, uh, to help like clean, you know, old programming, old information to be like, no, I do belong here. (laughs) And this is why, right. Versus like letting that, that trigger or that like thought process get, uh, legs and grow. Yeah. Good. Thank you for sharing and just highlighting it is, we forget like how important the food is that we eat and, and what we drink, right. And like how much caffeine or how much, you know, how does that affect your body and paying attention for some people, it doesn't. And for others, like we can be really sensitive to things. And at different times, I think we can be different at different times, sensitive to certain foods or certain things we're drinking exercise. I love the accountability piece for sure. Like it's not always easy, but like who, how can I stay accountable? Cause we know we feel great. And I'm glad you said therapist. I mean, you were studying marriage and family and, um, I think as, you know, we talk a lot about mental health on the show and we're in a time of a mental health crisis, in my opinion. And so for people who are listening, like there's, there's just so much help. Like if you need help, ask for it, like really, really get it. And in my family, we pay attention to it on the regular. I've had a therapist in different ways for years, just to, just to keep it clean. And then a coach and like, you know, just lots of different support to stay in that space. So we didn't quite talk about the numbers. I want to make sure we talk like you are, you know, um, the company's tripling their revenue this year from 12 years ago. And in that, like, it's almost a double sort of in that time. Like, so, and it's, it, this is an eight figure increase. What would you say, um, to CEOs who are listening, like what, like what has helped you the most to really lean into what I would call this, this quantum leap that you're happening with your numbers in spite of like all the things that have gone on? Yeah. So 
I think that's the fun thing, right? Like I don't have this like, oh, we got this like number in our head and this is where we're going. I, I at one point I just I had this like very clear like we can be bigger. We can uh, we can serve more people. We our products, you know, make a better, safer driving experience. Like how fun is that? Like let's focus on getting more people to have that experience. And so it wasn't even like, this is the number we're going for. It was just like, let's grow. Like we can do that. And I remember uh, just a lot of people, there was the, there was this idea like that just grow $1 more than the year before. And I'm like, oh, that's not fun. <laughs> like, let's make this fun. Like, let's make this really challenging. And so there was a lot of times where I, I wouldn't even realize like, oh, we grew significantly in this time. Like we had, we once did business with Amazon. We don't anymore. Um, but like internally, like to do business with Amazon, it's super complicated and it really got us out of our comfort zone. But I was like, we should do that. We should just, we should figure out how to make that happen. And uh, we did, it didn't, it wasn't, you know, the right fit <laughs> for very, very long. And then, um, but like, it, we learned so much in the process. So we just like really challenging, like this, the status quo, like, uh, yeah, we haven't done that before, but like, how can we do it? And I, I thought that was really fun. So I love like just seeing like, can we do things? And then when we can, like that's uh, really rewarding. And um, yeah, so it, that, that part has been uh, really fun. So, so there's two pieces and I just want to like, so on the one hand you, there's a number, but you're not attached to the number. Is that what you're saying? It's like, you have a, this would be great. And also like, it's more about serving our partners, client or customers. Is that accurate? Yeah. And I think also like, I mean, we have core values as a, um, a company. So like it's safety team and fun, like mm. we want to be having, and I think the part that, you know, most who knows? I wanted to have fun in our core, in our core values, because I thought like people spend a lot of time here <laughs> at yeah. work, right? Like you spend a huge majority of your life at work and there was an opportunity like, how can we bring more fun into this atmosphere? And we do things like bring in ice cream trucks and taco trucks and, uh, do like giveaways and different things like that. Um, each month, because it's just like, how can we incorporate fun? And then it gives us the opportunity to all be together. Yes. But, um, and I think that's the key, right? Like there's also fun, there can be fun in growing and like getting out of our comfort zone too. And like being able to look back and go, oh, holy heck, we did that, <laughs> right? Yes. Like we, uh, we didn't think that was possible, but we did that. I remember working with a consultant and we had like, our process was like nine days to get a piece of uh, a product through our system. And we got it down to two days. And it was like, that was super fun for us to like realize like we could accomplish that, right? And we did that like all as a team, all together. Um, and that's, I think what excites me. So I was always paying attention to like, what's, what's fun, what excites me, what excites my team? Like, where do we like get the most joy? And like, that's where we would, um, we would focus. And I have an amazing team and like people will come in and it's just like what we, have here like I don't think about it like 
very often until it gets reflected back. Like I will get reminded like uh, by people that we, anyone new that comes into our organization is like, is this real? Like, do you guys really like have a good time? And uh, you know, uh, this is like really, you get, we get treated this way. So that is uh, exciting for me too. Yeah. So really living your core values, your mission, your vision. And I think that's an important thing that we can forget, like the importance of like really nailing that down and then living through that. And what does that look like and really tying in with your team? So we could chat all day, Melanie. I love knowing about what you're up to and what you've done in the world. Any, like, is there anything I didn't ask you that I, you wish I would have or anything you want, anything else you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. So I was given this advice uh, when I was younger. Uh, I want to say it was probably about 10 or 12 years ago, but this is, I always, cause I know a lot of your listeners, not all are women, but like a lot are women. Right. And I'm in a super male dominated industry there. Uh, not only are there not very many CEOs, there's not very, um, that are women. There's just not a lot of women in this industry. And one of the things I remember talking to someone and saying that, oh, like I, that being a woman, it makes things difficult. And he said, he's like, I have to stop you. You can't talk, you can't go on with that thought. It's not being a woman that is your issue. It's probably your youth. So if you can be prepared, so show up, be the most prepared in the room and do not think about that being a hindrance for you. And what actually, when he did that, so, you know, being young at the time, like I did see that, okay, that it, that could be a hindrance, like, so work, but there's ways to work through it. Right. And then at the same time I started, like, it helped me shift that being female was actually really to my advantage. I'd be at trade shows and people would remember me because they're, and they might not remember my name, right? But they'd be like, you're that woman from Hellwig or, and because there weren't a lot of us there. And so I think changing that, just that like story, right? That I was telling myself is like, it's going to be hard because I'm a woman was actually, I mean, it still happens. Like we joke about it as a team because I, uh, you know, I'm the CEO, but most of my sales team is male. And like they'll, at a trade show, they'll come up to, you know, a, a salesman and they'll ask them the question, I answer it, but they look at them and, you know, it's <laughs> wow. like, and then they ask, so even though I'm answering it, they're still looking at them and they ask them the next question and then I answer. So it's just this weird dynamic, like it doesn't happen that often, but it still happens. But I think not allowing yourself to like go down that road of that story is really important and just not allowing, uh, yeah, like that you, you believe, if you do believe uh, being female is a detriment, then it will be true, right? And that's what I, I very clearly saw earlier in my career. But once I saw it as an advantage, I really uh, was able to take advantage of that too. Awesome. That's a great reminder of, it's a great reminder for our, our female listeners and, and really everyone and just the stories that we tell ourselves that can become the beliefs and then we can live from that that space. So as we're wrapping up, um, I'd love for you to share your website and where people can find you. And then like, who do you work with? Who are your customers, partners, et cetera? 
Yeah, so we have our website is hellwigproducts.com. We can be found on Instagram, Facebook, all under Hellwig Products. I am on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably where I'm the most active uh, in Melanie Hellwig White there. And um, if you are someone who chose a trailer, has an RV, we, uh, we make sway bars, helper springs that will make your driving experience safer and better, more, more enjoyable. So. Awesome. And we can find those on the website as well. Or learn more. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Melanie White, thanks for being on the Quantum Revenue Expansion Podcast. Loved having you today. Thank you. It was fun. It's fun. All right. For our listeners all over the world, thank you so much for hanging out. I'm sure you love this conversation with Melanie as much as I did. We will see you next week. In the meantime, make this your most epic week yet. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. And if you are ready to make your next quantum leap, let's do it. Ursula invites you to join us at the 2X Intensive. Go to salescoachnow.com slash apply. Don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app.